This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Well, good morning or good afternoon, wherever you may happen to be on this lovely Sunday morning, or at least morning for me here in L.A., stunning day. Um, hope you all had a safe 4th of July. Um, not so much you. I'm, I'm hoping your pets had a safe 4th of July, that they didn't drive you too nuts. Um, you know, they say that 75% of dogs might suffer from some noise aversion, and um, that includes fireworks. And, you know, it's interesting because I don't know what it's like where you live, but here the fireworks started like two weeks ago, even longer. You know, I was getting so many calls from people about their dogs acting strange. And I don't know what's wrong. He's shivering. He's shaking. He's hiding. Um, I, I don't know what's wrong. Did he get into something? <laughs> and I'm la- at this point, I'm laughing. I said, no, this is noise aversion. This is, this is fireworks. Now, and they'll say to me, oh, no, but I, I, they're far away. No, for us, they're far away. For them, they're next door. Their sense of hearing is so much better. They hear also different frequencies and pitches than we do. So um, it just makes it for more of a challenge. So I hope you say, you know, it was sad after the insanity. And we had the, a lot of the public firework displays uh, that were sanctioned by the different municipalities were closed down, of course. But the LA Basin is huge. And from uh, we have a roof deck and I can literally see miles and miles. And it was a heck of a show going on, I mean, for hours. So anyway, probably about 10 o'clock, I went to walk my dogs. And there's already a guy driving around. And I said, did you see a little reddish dog uh, answers to the name Rusty? And I, I feel so badly because that's one thing I warn people. Do not let your dogs stay in the yard unless they're in a really, really strictly, perfectly confined area. You don't want to let them because they're going to run. Uh, they are. You know what we should do is next year, we will uh, maybe a few months before the 4th, maybe March or April, we're going to start a training class on how to get your dogs used to the noise and actually turn it around desensitization and counter conditioning. So not only will they not be afraid of it, they'll actually like it. And um, there's a way to do it. it. takes time, which is why I want to start a couple of months early. Anyway, hope yours was safe. So you're here live. If you haven't known, you knew this. Dr. Jeff Werber here, uh, here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, our live call-in radio show. The key words there, live and call in. We want to hear from you. Great, easy ways to do it. Of course, the old-fashioned way. If you're near a phone, toll-free, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. And the way I like is to join us here on Zoom. If you go online and you go to PetLifeRadio.com and you click on Shows and you scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff and you click on that show, that's my show, and you will see a link there left for you. Just click on the link and you can join us live. We'd love to have you answer any questions you may have, talk about your experiences last night with the good old-fashioned fireworks, see how it went, but we'd like to hear from you. Anyway, as you know, I always like to peruse the news. Uh, We had a guest last time I was on, so I did not get a chance to keep you updated on what is going on, what's new in veterinary medicine. So to share a few things with you, first of all, summertime is here officially, and um, just some words of caution, and that is that don't um, necessarily want to shave your dogs down for the summer. Uh, we've talked about this many times before. And another thing is be careful with your brachycephalic pushed-in face dogs. These are the dogs that are more closely linked to heat problems. And of course, your, your, your Frenchies, your Pugs, your Boston Terriers, your Shih Tzus, your Los Opsos, um, any of those small pushed-in 
face terrier type dogs, your, your peaks. So uh, Japanese chins, you name it, they're all there. But also your bulldogs, your English bulldogs and French bulldogs. Also bigger dogs, though, like the dog de Bordeaux and some chows that have kind of, you know, got kind of fleshy muscles and faces. And even some that don't have, like greyhounds, are seem to be subjected to heat-linked problems. So um, basically, it's the large breeds over 110 pounds. Like your mastiffs, oh my God, I, I, I had to take care of one. Temperature went up to 106 degrees. So that's, the, and of course, your short snouted brachycephalics. So this is where we recommend when you are going out for your exercise, you want to do it early in the morning and late in the afternoon. And also, nothing to keep in mind, even though it's late in the afternoon, sun is down, hopefully, depending on where you live, cooling down a bit. I was in Vegas for a TV spot last year. We land at 10.30 p.m. just to go to the hotel because I got to be in studio by 5.30, right? And guess what? The pilot gets on the intercom system, welcoming into Las Vegas, and where it's a cool 110 degrees. I'm thinking, <laughs> funny, funny, right? He's 10.30 night, 110. It was 110 degrees. So a lot of places in the country uh, maintain their heat. Arizona, a lot of deserts. But also remember, the pavement stays hot for a long time. So even though it is cooling down, or maybe cooling down, hopefully it's cooling down, and and you're taking your dog out eight nine o'clock at night. Remember that that pavement is still very hot. So uh, uh, take it easy. A number of coronavirus um, stories we'll share. I'll put two, two of them together. One is since cats can get coronavirus, though they don't get it as serious, they get if anything a minor respiratory infection. If you are positive and you have cats, you want to be careful snuggling with them. Which takes us to this story about dogs, and that is that a test confirmed that a dog in Georgia, tested, again, positive, showing no clinical signs whatsoever. However, both of his owners, husband and wife, are COVID-19 positive. So here's, again, that perfect example where a pet, a dog could be living in the house, getting the virus on them in their mouth, the dog cleaning themselves, who knows, they go ahead and test the dog and it's going to be positive. It is asymptomatic. We have yet to see, at least as to my knowledge, a symptomatic dog. Now we have seen symptomatic cats, ferrets, hamsters, there are some other animals that actually can get it and show signs, not serious, but signs. Whereas the dogs, in fact, this dog also had an underlying neurologic condition. So it could be that it was somewhat uh, immunocompromised anyway. But the bottom line is they don't, at least as to we know, at, to this date, we don't see active infection in a dog. Uh, also, we've talked about this before, microchipping. A study came out, ranks alongside spay and neuter is one of the most important things you can do for your pets. It can definitely save a life. One thing for sure, if your pet is picked up, and I feel sorry for Rusty, who was out, ran out, escaped last night, I certainly hope that he was microchipped because, or better yet, had, has his ID as well. But if a shelter, now again, I can't promise, I, I don't talk to every single shelter in this country. I would love to, but I don't and can. However, they are supposed to, by regulation, if a dog comes in with a microchip, regardless of how tough it is for them to find an owner, the owner, they do not get euthanized. So it's very important to know that that just having the microchip. And another problem that we're having, many of these dogs are microchipped, but guess what? They're not registered because some whoever did the microchip, or even if it was you, or you got the dog from somebody else, from a rescue or a shelter, you need to register, re-register that microchip into your name. It is inexpensive, if not free, depending on whose microchip you use. But there's no sense paying or having a dog with a microchip if 
you don't register the microchip. That registration is critical. This is cool. If you live in Iowa and you are in vet school and you decide that vet school is really expensive, how the heck am I going to pay off these loans? Well, guess what? The state of Iowa will pay off student loans for veterinarians if they are, because there's a designated vet shortage, if they agree to work, all right, in large animal and rural areas or on farms and um, for four years after graduation. Now, that's pretty cool. That's like the GI Bill. I mean, if you went to school, the, the, the government paid for your uh, education, but you owed the government four years. Actually, a cousin of mine was in med school at the time. This is back in the 60s where they had the 4-H deferment, and you did not have to go to Vietnam, but you owed the government money or time. So, excuse me, it was time in lieu of money, and they put him on an Indian reservation in Phoenix. He did his time in Phoenix. I think it was two years, but um, they loved it so much they ended up staying, and he built up a tremendous orthopedic surgery practice in Phoenix, Arizona. But anyway, this is the same thing. So that's great. Your student loans. If you want to go to vet school, apply to Iowa. And then what you can do is just give them four years. You, you need more time than the four years of vet school anyway to really learn the ropes, to really become a wise veterinarian. You might have the knowledge, but it's going to take some time to, to attain that wisdom. And trust me, the wisdom is more important than the knowledge. So also there is a, a really good, it's an animal cloud-based device that the Air Force is using where they can monitor their animals remotely from wherever they are. Basics like heart rate, respiration rate, temperature, um, things like that. So that's really cool. They raid this collar. It's obviously GPS capability. And they can uh, talk to the home base and the veterinarians can actually see how these animals are doing while they are in the field. And this is, just, this is a great test for any of us uh, who want to have, I think this technology is coming, by the way. We use something like it in telemedicine. So it's really fantastic. Okay, here's one. Tick control surveillance um, is basically lacking in the U.S. The number of tick-borne diseases, and there are a lot, they've owned this in the U.S., has more than doubled, doubled from 2004 to 2018, according to the uh, CDC. That is really scary. And there are many, many. And ticks, like, for example, the tick that carries Rocky Mountain spotted fever, all right, carries a rickettsia, a rickettsia, rickettsii. That is a disease and it's a bacterial disease causing this fever. And those ticks are breeding right now during summertime. So um, just know, especially if you live in the Northeast, you got to be really, really careful. Obviously, the Rocky Mountain area, wherever you have a large congregation of ticks, uh, you're going to see this potential disease. So be very, very careful out there. And um, don't take ticks lightly. We know Lyme disease is carried by ticks. Uh, there are a lot of tick-borne diseases. Ehrlichiosis is carried by ticks. So when you have a dog, Get the ticks. Make sure you know how to take the ticks out properly. Talk to your veterinarian. Uh, there are great ways to do it. But if I were you, I would get your dogs on a really good flea and tick medication. Any of the isoxazolines, uh, those are things like Provecto and Nexgard and Semperica. Talk to your veterinarian about getting your dog on these really, really effective flea and tick medications. This is also really cool. Uh, the FDA, Center for Veterinary Medicine, has approved, it's called Clevor, it's Repimivol, and it's an ophthalmic solution, and it could used to induce vomiting in dogs, probably related somehow to the apomorphine, which we use. It's prescription only, but it is, you know, basically, uh, you put it in the eyes, and minutes later, a dog can vomit. So you don't have to make them, give them an injection, or put stuff, the apomorphine pills, which interestingly, we have been for years diluting the apomorphine pill in water, 
And then putting it, the drops in the eyes too. So this is probably, as I said, it's probably related, but it's really cool. But remember, if you have to induce vomiting in your dogs, you need to be very, very careful. Ipecac is highly toxic. Do not use it. Salt water, very dangerous. The only one that is often recommended and usually have to make sure that the dose is understood would be fresh hydrogen peroxide at one half to one ml per kilogram of body weight. That's a small amount. So um, if you have a 20 pound dog, say 10 kilos, all right, you're looking at five ml. That's a teaspoon. That's all you need. Um, maybe you can repeat it in 10 minutes, in 20, 10 to 20 minutes. But make sure to talk with your veterinarian. Now, if you have one in your area, you can call their toll-free, well, not toll-free. There are numbers you can call that are poison control that they um, actually work a fee. You can call one of the telemedicine apps called AirVet. We have a vet will talk to you and sort of help you through it. But also don't panic. Too many people panic and want to induce vomiting before they know why they're inducing the vomiting. There are some conditions where you hear about, for example, chocolate. No, if you have that German Shepherd, a Hershey's kiss is not going to hurt them. A Hershey bar won't even hurt them. So you have to make sure, well, unless it's one of those big, giant Hershey bars, the kind you save for me. But the uh, no, a lot of these things that you think you need to make them vomit, you don't. You know, the question is one grape on a big dog. Ah, it's iffy. So anyway, talk to, you know, make sure you try to talk to somebody first before you just go ahead and blindly reach for the medicine, medicine cabinet and give something. But if you're going to give it, Make sure you know it's safe and make sure you're giving it properly. So, oh, what else do we have? We have a lot of good stuff to you today. So uh, I'll tell you what, it is, oh, it's 20 after the hour. We're going to take a quick break. We come back, we have more good stuff to cover. So don't go away, we're right back. We're live with Dr. Jeff Werber here at Pet Life Radio's Ask the Dr. Jeff. Stay tuned. She's a purebred, orange and white, Brittany. But when we adopted April, she started scratching like crazy. I said, what you put into a dog is what you get out. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. So we added a huge scoop of Dynavite in her bowl. She looked it clean. She loved it. Her coat is now soft. It's silky. Dynavite is nutrition. You get some Dynavite. How happy your dog will be. A Dynavite. She's Little Miss Hollywood. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff. We're here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. On this glorious Sunday morning, or now afternoon for many of you. Um, so this was also a cute story, but actually I learned something on this one. A 10-year-old wallaby named Surprise, or that's Surprise, escaped from the Zoology Foundation in Larkspur, Colorado, and was spotted, check this out, 40 miles away in Aurora, which is a Denver suburb. They can travel up to 30 miles an hour. And um, that's, uh, I mean, pretty amazing. The bad news is, as of the day, there's a story they hadn't captured her yet, but I'm going to look into that and see if they were able to uh, get her back. Again, shaving pets down, think twice. Let me give you a little more information about that. So think of it this. If you wanted to keep your coffee hot when you go to work, all right, what are you going to put it in? I can't say, I hear you all screaming, a thermos. And let's say you have iced tea and you want to keep it cold while you're away at work. What are you going to put it in? <gasps> Amazing, a thermos. 
But wait a second. It's keeping hot. That's what a good, healthy coat does for a dog. It regulates their body temperature. It protects them from the outside environment. So it protects them from the heat during the summer. It protects them from the cold during the winter. So what you don't want to do is shave it because you're ruining that. Now, the other problem is that when you shave, especially a light-coated dog like a, a Spitz, you know, American Eskimo, or a Samoyed, guess what? They can get sunburn. Their body's not used to, to having this. They're very pink. Look what happens sometimes the dogs lie on their back a lot. They can get a rash on the inside of their thigh where the belly is nice and pink. So they can get sunburn too, tip of the nose. So if you were going to shave, the indications are you have a dog already has a severe dermatologic condition. The coat is so matted that you can't comb it out. You need to shave. And there it's not functioning well as the quote-unquote thermos. So there it's okay as well. So if you are going to do it, if you have that type of dog that is subjected to sun, enjoys the sun, you need to use a sunblock. Now, you can get these spray-on sunblocks they use for kids, 50-plus. I also say on a snout, you should put it on some of those dogs, the collie nose, we call it. They can get nasal solar dermatitis. So again, very interesting, but the, these can be prevented. So keep it in mind. So uh, we talked about the Georgia dog with the uh, COVID-19. Um, here's one many, many of you might like to hear. I certainly did. And I get my hands are still tied here in California, though I hear that it is loosening up a bit. But this was a double blind, right, placebo based study that CBD proves beneficial for cases of canine osteoarthritis, i.e., arthritis, for pain after four weeks of use. It was a randomized double blind placebo controlled study. And in, interesting, they also needs the higher dose. They also tested a group low dose. It didn't have the same result. So it was the higher dose, of course, safe dose, or using what's called a CBD liposomal formulation. And that helps with the releasing of the CBD in a, a timely, they put it into liposomes. So many states, well, let's take Colorado, the first state that was legalized, even with THC. So just to give a little background. Many states still, it is unlawful. I would say illegal, but illegal, someone said illegal is a sick bird. We'll go unlawful to use uh, CBD. We can't sell it. We can't recommend it. And we can't prescribe it. We can't own it. So it's, it's very challenging for us in California. Now it's getting better. Now they're saying if you have CBD that is derived 100% from industrial hemp products, then it's okay. Then it's legal. The issue is, is that, well, first of all, from what I know, not a whole lot about anything. No, I'm just joking. But hemp itself, the CBD is pretty darn safe. Very difficult to have a toxic dose of just CBD. Studies are being made. An active ingredient that causes toxicity is the THC. And we know what, when you take marijuana with THC, what the lethal, the LD50, it's called the lethal dose, that which 50% of animals on it will be killed. Obviously, we don't want to play there. But we don't know at what dose we start seeing toxic signs. How individualized is it just like in people? So it's really difficult to come up with a blanket rule. And then to complicate matters even more, I'm sure those of you know what a pot store is. And maybe some of you have been to one. Maybe more than some of you have been to one. Maybe even more than that have been to one. But the bottom line is, is that there are so many different varieties of pot, of marijuana, each with their own strengths. There are so many different varieties of edibles with different milligrams. So it is so hard now to gauge 
it's not, we have to have more um, sort of normalization within the industry so we can put data out on a label and then to be able to recommend a safe, proper dose and how to determine that dose for our pets. So, but this studies like this are a start. And I know that there's um, uh, some companies out there that are helping fund studies at Colorado State University. UC Davis now is doing some studies as well. So at least we're moving in the right direction. And what I have to tell my clients is I say, look, I can't sell it. I can't recommend it. Okay, I can't prescribe it. But I can tell you that my dogs are on it. Or I could say my friends in, in Colorado have told me great things about it. So we have to be very careful. Okay. Um, this is um, interesting, near and dear to me. As you know, I have a dog food line out there. Pet food and diets. Listen to this. Only 13% of dog owners and one-third of cat owners feed conventional pet foods only, i.e. they are doctoring them up or adding something, but pure just you know market brand or pet shop brand foods exclusively. So two-thirds of dog and 50% of cat owners are feeding some home cooked meals and at least occasionally and then of course the big caution is raw diet so significant bacterial infections listeria campylobacter e coli salmonella all from raw diets which you know what prompted me because i as you know I, I how many times have i sort of given you a reported about some sort of recall in a raw food diet i mean when the craze started coming out, I would say almost every week, if not every other week, I was talking about some recalls because of these conditions. And yet there wouldn't be such a big deal if people didn't really want to feed their pets raw diets, which is why I came up with my Dr. Jeff Optimum. So, and what they say here is um, because of the inherent infections, they need to have some form of heat treatment, freeze drying, or HPP, which is high pressure pasteurization to um, kill off the bacteria. In the food that I, I have out there, it is both. We use freeze-dried and HPP. And what we take that extra step, and we're not the only one, some of the other companies do it as well, where we do we culture every single batch before it's packaged to make sure that it is negative for those bacteria. So if you want to feed raw, which is okay, I feed my dogs raw, but you want to make sure that you're working with a brand that takes these extra steps. It's not cheap. Um, I, I will tell you that right now. One of the biggest complaints we get, and we are actually one of the better priced, but I'm just saying there are a couple of out there. They're, I think they're all good, but it's, it's, it's costly. If you were to do this yourself, it would cost you even more. So uh, kind of keep that in mind. Anyway, that is all we have time for. I do want to talk about interesting. I'm going to open up next time, next show with a new law in Florida, which, you know, that's where our main offices are in Fort Lauderdale that many of you might find very interesting. I certainly did. And I applaud the state of Florida for allowing this as well. And with that tease, I'm going to have you coming back for more next week because you want to hear this one. Anyway, thanks for joining me here at Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. Uh, you can, uh, when you can, you can um, always reach a vet on uh, AirVet, my platform. We can, um, you can always reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook at the Dr. Jeff Werber. I have a personal one too, but if you really want me to, to get a hold of you, uh, send me something on Dr. Jeff Werber. Send me a Facebook at Dr. I mean, excuse me, Instagram at uh, Dr. Jeff Werber. And um, if nothing else, you're going to see some really, really cute pictures of dogs and cats 
because I take them as meta almost every day. They're really cute. Anyway, thanks for joining me here. Have a great week, everybody. And we will be here next week, possibly with a live guest. We're working on getting Arden Moore. You hear from her shows here on Pet Life Radio. And uh, we're going to talk about whatever we want to talk about. So uh, have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.